Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond Sunday, episode 9 of this podcast version. And tonight I have with me again Sean Corliss. Greetings. Great to have you again and uh, apologize for not getting together with everyone last week. We had uh, a little bit of a hiccup in the form of a brand new baby boy born to Josh and Sam Sweetman, little Anthony. He's uh, getting better each day. He was born a little bit early. So we praise God for his healthy arrival and pray that he would continue to grow into the man that God has him to become. We are going to look at another child of God, and that is Joseph. I started a new series uh, last Sunday, and we had our second uh, sermon in the series this past Sunday. So we have two Sundays to cover. Basically, Genesis chapter 37 the life of Joseph, as it begins there. Sean, you were sharing some thoughts with me about uh, Joseph and Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, and some of their interesting dynamics and the brothers. You were going on about, what was it, the envy that I mentioned this past Sunday, Yep. that his brothers had jealousy that led to envy, and I, I, I would like to hear more about what you were thinking there. Yeah, so like, uh, you know, thanks for the invitation back to the to the podcast. I think I always want to come well prepared when we dive into into scripture. So I took I took some time to read over Joseph's story again, and um, uh, it's quite interesting how it's framed. You know, if I if I look at if I look at scripture. For Genesis 37, 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a long robe with sleeves. And so... (laughs) Oh, you mean the sleeve, uh, the the coat of many colors. The coat of many colors, or Joseph and the technicolor jacket. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of interpretation, and I feel like... You know Hollywood likes to likes to add a bit of flavor for yes. sure. Um, but out of that simple f- phrase, we can see that uh, Israel, aka Jacob, uh, loved his new son. He loved the youngest man in his household. I think while the other brothers are out uh, getting theirs, toiling in the fields, tending to the sheep. Because there were some shepherds, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think like, you know, when we talked about, when you were talking about Ampi, I feel like that Joseph's story is about God's providence yeah. in Joseph, but it's also about his brothers and how they had a festering wound. They were left injured uh, both by Joseph's dreams yeah, and his kind of... And, and, and it was almost as if in the scripture that Joseph was off the cuff where he would just be like, hey, by the way, I've had this very interesting dream where there were 12 stars and they all bowed to me. Right. Right. And then you have the whole family, not just the brothers saying like, well, this is ridiculous. Like, yes. are we going to bow to you? Are we going to kind of be underneath of you? Um, so, yeah, the brothers, they're injured. And then... I think it's a, I think it's a true story for for a whole bunch of people how 
you have an injury that you leave untreated. Yes. It festers, and that's where that wound allows the, the darkness to come in, where it allows your malice to come in, where it allows your envy and jealousy yes. to come in. And so I don't think that it's necessarily, you know, them being envious. I feel like the injury was really a catalyst to drive them to conspire to kill their brothers. One of his brothers had a sullied moment and said, like, well, no, we shouldn't kill him. He's the same blood that we are. Right. Uh, let's just throw him into a pit. Yeah, which is... exactly. Well, but he was intending to rescue him out of the pit later on. Yes, yes. And then we yeah. will come to him and to his chagrin, we will be his saviors. And then yes. and then we will be of the same position right. that he perceives that he is and that his that our father gives to him as well. Right. We also want his accolades, right? We want his love. Yeah. Right. So um, as I was preaching that aspect, the, the envy part this past Sunday, uh, maybe it would be good just to back up the story just a little bit. Sure. Uh, the previous Sunday we looked at, at Joseph and we looked at his preferential status. Um, now he is years younger yes. than his brothers. Yes, yes. Right? So when... Um, Grown-up men are jealous of a much younger sibling. That indicates a bit of a, an issue. I think there's a little bit of a problem there. Uh, now, some of the commentaries have said that these guys were the children or the offspring of um, the the servant women that Leah and, Rebe- and Rachel gave to Jacob. So if that's the case, then they were already sort of second class mm-hmm. siblings anyway, because they are, they are then. But what's interesting is that J- uh, Jacob gives them the full inheritance. Yes. Right? Yes. So they, they are of the tribes of Israel. Like these are the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is in itself fascinating so god looks at them and sees them as equals because they're the children of jacob it doesn't matter in that sense um, whose mother they were because they're considered equal with one another and somehow somewhere along the line that equality wasn't really explained to them very well and the love that jacob had for them maybe wasn't communicated very well in the sense that when they saw the exuberant love or the extra special love that Jacob was giving to Joseph, they weren't able to process it and say, oh yeah, here is this child he never expected to get. Benjamin comes along a little bit later, is younger than uh, Joseph, and also gets the same kind of treatment. Like We'll see that later on in this story, right? And yet they treat Benjamin differently than they do Joseph. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, it's last, last child syndrome, right? And so often, and even, you know, when I was talking to, to Josh this week, when you have a new child, the one that exists is taking a little bit of a back seat. They're no longer necessarily the, the focus of all of your attention right. and caregiving. Yes. Right? And so... Um, it's not to say that the love is diminished, but as that time increases, mm-hmm. then you are almost out of the timeline. You are more um, an asset to the family in terms of 
giving mm-hmm. responsibility oh, yeah, and, and, sure. and dealing with some of these harder familial issues than having the young child who is completely insulated yes. and, 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 and cared for. So they can't, you know, they can't feed themselves, they can't take care of themselves, they can't clothe themselves, they can't... And so, you know, you, you, you see, you'll have some older brothers that are looking into this timeline being like, why not me now? Right. Right? And it's yeah. actually because you don't require it. I think... Yeah, exactly. But I think their context... Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't know if that was worked out with them. I don't know, like, well, hey, guys, here's the drill. Right. We got a young one that really needs help. Yeah. Right. Well, there's there's certainly a lot of breakdown that happened within that family, and I I totally agree with you. There was that woundedness that really they should have, in their maturity, properly dealt with. Yeah. And I think we're seeing in our society today a lot of woundedness that is not being addressed or not being handled appropriately, and. We start seeing envy in others. We start seeing um, jealousy arise within us. And that is linked quite closely also to covetousness, right? Mm. We see something that another person has and we want it. And when we are honest with ourselves, as I was preaching this message on Sunday, I'm like, I'm preaching to myself. I don't know if anyone else is listening, but I am. And, you know, it's kind of hitting hard for me, right? And so we need to be open and honest in our understanding of our relationships, the dynamics that we have with our parents, with God our Father as well, and trying to figure out um, how we are to work our way through life and the circumstances we find ourselves in. Now, hopefully we won't get thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery in our lifetimes, but you never know what could happen. And certainly there is a lot of uh, horrific things that are still happening in the world today. I find it, you know, I don't know. Do you remember a little while ago they had a a whole meme thing going around about first world problems? Mm -hmm. And I think an example of that, of first world problems today is whether or not to wear a mask versus other world problems of whether or not I'm going to eat today. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, I think we could probably let slide some of our fierce stances on mask use or whatever happens to be the the issue of the day and be a lot more gracious toward one another. Yeah, and I think like I think when when putting the memeology of first world problems against the focus of Joseph and his brothers is that in all things bring them to the Lord as yes. gifts. So whether it's whether it's your pain or your fear yeah. or your problems, because he'll take them all. He wants them all as precious gifts from his children. Yes. So that he can say, Thank you, you've relieved yourself. And now you know, I think in our instant gratification, does that make you feel better all the time? No. No. But 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 it turns your focus away from yourself and says, Lord, um, rescue me, Lord, help yes. me, and petition him. Yeah. I think like if those brothers would have done that, eh, things I mean, might maybe, have been very different. Maybe a different scenario. And like Joseph, I feel like like he was pretty aware of his presence with the Lord. I feel, I feel like like. You know, it, it kept saying, the Lord is with him. Yes. The Lord is with him, yes. right? And that, so, that comes up. You're jumping a little bit ahead there. That's yeah. uh, chapter 39. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll maybe get into why I'm skipping uh, chapter 30 
eight in in the series. Uh, but uh, maybe that'll be a time for our next next time together if, if that happens. But no, uh, Joseph uh, certainly comes across as a person who had responsibility, who had integrity, who was very much interested in the truth, and gave reports about his brothers to his dad, which certainly did not win him any favors before the dreams. Um, but one of the commentators that I read uh, referenced the, um, uh, the situation that happened with his sister, um, Dina or Dinah or however you want to pronounce that, her, her name. Uh, she was uh, raped by some men and then um, Joseph's brothers completely annihilated uh, all those uh, who, who were guilty of that. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing here because I didn't really dive into the story too much. But if Joseph was about 11 years old at that time, it would have left a, a mark on him. It would have had an impact on him and could have been something of the instrument that set him on a, a path where he says, hey, I see what my brothers are doing. I am going to choose not to go down the same road as them. And I'm going to turn to the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to strive to be a man of integrity. And we see that coming up in chapter 39. Uh, not initially, but in, in so two sermons from now, we're going to see that. His integrity uh, when he deals with Potiphar's wife. So it's, it's interesting how Joseph walks right in to his brothers and is kind of in their face. And in some ways... Maybe he's in their face, but naively so. Yes, yes. I, I feel like I feel like this in the beginning of the story it's a stumble on, right? So he's he sees things and then he just starts talking. Yeah. And then it's like, oh he shouldn't have done that. And then like oh, but but again I think I think it the way that it, it was written had a bit of na- naivety in it. I feel yeah. like he was very naive. Um, I feel like the same thing when he approached them with his dreams, where he was like, I see these things. Later on, it kind of sets the tone because he, I don't know if he actually understood what he dreamt at that moment, but his family did. Oh, yeah. His family was like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then later on in his story, it says like, Joseph, you know, he can interpret people's dreams. Yes. And it's like, well, I wish you would have had that foresight back in the, back when you were 17. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think there was a sense where it certainly is, is uh, as soon as he relayed the first dream to his brothers, then their reaction kind of told him everything he needed to know about the dream, right? Yeah. They said, what do you mean that we're going to bow down and worship you? Yeah. And I think he kind of did know, but he's like, maybe he was kind of like a, you know, I had this dream and... Does it seem as weird to you as it seems weird to me? And they just took it as, oh man, here's like if he's not spoiled enough already, yep. now he's getting now he's saying he's getting stuff from the Lord, and who knows if he's getting stuff from the Lord? I mean, if if somebody came up to me and said I had this dream and it means this, I'd be like, mm, yeah, well, let's just wait, give it some time and see if it's true or not, right? Yeah. And here we get it a whole bunch of time to see if it's true. And the other thing that, that people have pointed out is that that robe, that uh, coat, the, um, 
I just looked at the footnotes here on my study Bible, and it said, yes, it could mean, from the Hebrew, it could mean uh, coated with long sleeves. Maybe that would be unusual on that day. Well, yeah, because of the heat, right? And right. so you have your son, who is the youngest, and you're guarding his skin, skin. from the summer heat, right? Yeah. And so you, the father not only gives his son a possession, but is protecting him right. from a portion of the world, which was stripped from his brothers. True. <laughs> yeah, and then where the, the code of many colors comes from is from the Septuagint, the Greek translation mm-hmm. of the Hebrew Bible uh, that was done, I can't even remember when exactly. But was but, it but was it many colors pre or post goat blood? Uh, pre. <laughs> yes, good trick question there. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, red, I think red, maybe red and khaki color after that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it was uh, camouflage, you know, yeah. and then, um, uh, yes. Anyway, we're digressing just a wee bit there. But uh, so Joseph certainly is, is an interesting uh, character in the scriptures. Yes. And he is one that, that really points us toward Jesus Christ as well. So we have Isaac a little bit earlier with, with uh, Abraham offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Uh, very interesting conversation as... Abraham and Isaac are walking up the mountain. Uh, Isaac goes, we have the wood. We have the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham cryptically replies to him, God will provide himself the sacrifice. Or depending on how you want to move the translation, you could use the, the Hebrew to say, God will provide himself as the sacrifice. Hmm. Now, in the, the sense that Isaac was the gift of God to Abraham and was the one by whom all the blessings for all the nations were to be, uh, Isaac would have been satisfied with that answer. But then, as soon as he was you know, put on the altar as a probably, presumably a teenager, he did willingly lie down and allow his father to you know, prepare the altar for him, with him as the sacrifice. And then the Lord intervened and did, in fact, provide... A lamb, a ram, right, in Isaac's place. And then you fast forward to John the Baptist, and in the Gospel of John, he looks up and he sees Jesus coming, and what is the first thing he says? He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so you already have that that connection. You have the connection with Passover too, the Lamb, and all of those things point all the way along the way to Jesus Christ's coming. So here we have another example of foreshadowing of the the coming of the Christ. Tell, uh, tell so me even how. with the so first thing in the, in the way we have the the robe. The robe that Jacob puts on Joseph points to Joseph as second in command under Pharaoh and the mantle that he would carry as the one who actually has Truly all power, except for a couple details, minor details, in all of Egypt. That points to Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is the one who will rule and reign in David's place. He is of the line of David. Uh, We see in Joseph his character as an integrity. We see the anointing of the Lord in the the presence of the dreams. Mm -hmm. And then, as you mentioned already, in uh, chapter 39... The Lord was with Joseph and blessed everything he did, mm-hmm. which, of course, was to 
move him from where he was into the position he needed to be as second command under Pharaoh in order to save the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what Joseph ends up doing later on in his, uh, in his life, right? He, he serves as a redeemer, the one who redeems the, mm -hmm. the, the people out of, uh, the, out of starvation and provides for them. And incidentally, and now I'm kind of giving things away for the future, but his brothers do in fact come and they bow down to him. The 12 stars do bow down. The 11, actually. The 11, the 11 yeah. Because he's one of the, yeah. the sons, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they do come. And that's because they don't recognize him. And uh, I can't wait till we get to that part of the story. But, it's yeah, I, felt, I feel like the, the pointing to Christ through his dream of the stars bowing down really has to do not with him. But with his bloodline, yeah, right. So all of the universe and the heavens will recognize the glory at which the fam. But like, and maybe maybe that's where he was approaching his brothers to say, "Yo, like, isn't this cool? Right. That like we are gifted, right, with this narrative, and they were wounded and they internalized it and went like, you're talking about me, right." Like, and maybe Joseph like, was like, no, 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 this is future, man. This may not happen yeah, in our life. This lifetime. might not happen. Just as, you know, Abraham's blessing hasn't happened yet. The seed that was promised to Eve hasn't yes, happened yes. yet. I'm not that seed because yeah. I know I'm not anyone special, right? Yeah. I, I make mistakes like, oh, I shouldn't have said that to you because you guys aren't taking it the way I meant you to take it, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but I feel like his narrative, Joseph's narrative, was really... One that, that should be super compelling for Christians, for for those who say that they follow Christ. Not once did it say that Joseph was fighting. Right. He did not resist. But at the same time, he wasn't just a participant, but he was right. willing to go through the works. He was willing to go through the process. So like, throw me in the well. Okay. He didn't say like, Joseph struck his brother. They didn't ever say that. It doesn't say that. It, at all. It, it, so like he wasn't resisting the will of God, and sometimes his will is so difficult for us because we don't understand his narrative. His ways are not our ways, right. and we don't understand what what's happening. And so, yeah. you know, I think be patient and be a part of God's providence. Be a part of his story right. because the reason you're here is to further the kingdom, to increase the narrative, to do the sharing. And so, but if you resist at every step of the way, it just becomes more painful. Yes. And more, because I assume his brothers, whether he struck them or not, he would still go in the well. Uh, but, yes. Right? Yes. Unless he's like Jackie Chan, you know, in, in, you know, whatever movie you want. Oh, Jackie to Chan got beat up all the time. He did get beat up all the time. <laughs> However, did. but he did usually prevail, right? Exactly. So against incredible odds. Or maybe I should think of uh, Tom Cruise as the samurai or something like that. I don't know. But I haven't watched that movie, actually. So, um, No, I think it's very compelling, and, and I did make that connection on, on Sunday as well, that like yeah. Jesus was led to the slaughter and was silent, just like a lamb is led to the slaughter and is silent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Joseph, we hear nothing from him 
in response to his brothers. Terrifying, no? Yeah, I think so. Ter- terrifying. And, and, you know, uh, not that we are em- trying to emulate Joseph. We're actually trying to emulate Christ. And we don't have to emulate him because in the sense of uh, what it says in Colossians 1 verse 23 or 27, it says, um, for Jesus is uh, the hope of glory, right? Uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ living in and through us is the means by which we live a sanctified life. It is not as though uh, we are saved by Christ because we couldn't save ourselves. That is true. But we also cannot sanctify ourselves. Mm. Really, we participate with the Holy Spirit as he does that uh, sanctifying work in us. So we participate, we walk in step with, we walk along with. And I think that you nailed it in the head earlier when you said that we need to take all of our woundedness, whatever it may be, and give it over to God. Had they done that and had they had a conversation with their dad and said, hey, you know, we we love that you love your newest son or this son of yours who, yeah, he does seem to be a pretty upright guy. But at the same time, you're kind of treating us like, you know, we stink or something like that. Yeah, you know? and I think, I think Fireside, he probably would have said like, you know, you are of the same worth of, as yeah. him, and he is the young one, and now receive the blessing. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and we see this throughout the Bible where yeah. the fathers are blessing their children to help them through. Well, and some people are competing for the blessings, yeah. but like the competition isn't necessarily there, and that, that, that envy, that, like, that move of like doing God's work on his behalf, Yes, which is... Being the justice and doing the peace and having the vengeance and lashing oh, out, yeah. I think, is like, it's always death. Right? Oh, exactly. And that's that's sin, right, in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, I was listening to an audiobook called How People Grow by uh, Henry Cloud and uh, John Townsend. Um, they kind of go through, you know, what was it that Adam and Eve did back in the garden? And they listed like five or six different qualities of God that Adam, uh, Adam and Eve tried to take over from God. So his creativity, his creative ability, um, his rulership over all creation, his justice, you know, in being judge of uh, the world, judge of human character and all of that stuff. They, they wanted to become the arbiters of all these things. They want to be God, like God in every way. And so they tried to subvert God by disobeying him and taking these things on uh, themselves. And so when they met with God, they expected to be equals with God. And as they heard God walking in the cool of the garden, they realized they were anything but. Yeah. That's why they ran and hit. Yeah, you're made, not begotten. Exactly. And so... There's a very big difference. Yeah, I know. And I like looked at a thing about C.S. Lewis, and I saw the book on the on the thing called Mere Christianity, which yeah. is I was I was I was studying that this week, and so okay, cool. it, uh, C.S. Lewis really lays out the difference between like made and begotten, like just as you have a child, yeah, that that you beget, right. you can make a whole bunch of stuff, but it's not the same, not the same. as your child, and so yeah. in the same way, God has made us, but begotten his son. And so we are not, we are not the same. No. We aren't there. And I think like, yeah, you, you try and, you try and move into that space. Right. 
and, and I think that's why we had a curtain. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. think I think that's why we had a container, yes. which is the ark, right? Right. And I think I think we had these pieces because like we are not the same, and yeah, and we cannot because of that we cannot be in the presence, and and, and well, I mean, we could prior to sin, yes, but ever since sin, we we are broken, we are rebellious, we are you know um, just blemished, right? All of those images that. We have rebelled against God, and therefore we are deserving of whatever punishment was coming. I was listening to something today, and I can't even remember. Oh, it was uh, this afternoon we had a, uh, an opportunity as, as pastors to get together with the Speaker of the House of the Alberta Legislature, uh, Nathan Cooper. He was okay. in town. And uh, now where was I going with that? Uh, but he was talking about... Something and now it's gone totally out of my head. So maybe if you had something to say, you could throw it in there, and, and maybe it'll come back to me. So like, how how far how far do we want to go through Joseph? Because I feel like I'm giving up a whole bunch of spoilers. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't want to go too far. We don't want to give too many spoilers. Uh, so maybe it would be a good time to to wrap this thing up. Um, and sorry, I like I, it's a super it, it's a super interesting conversation. I feel like Joseph, but there's a lot there's there's a lot there, and it's yeah. not. Um, and it's actually very linear. I, I love his story. Yes. Uh, and what's fascinating too is is in the book of Genesis we have like you know a couple chapters on Adam and Eve. We have a couple chapters or a chapter on Noah, right? Like like short blips, Tower of Babel, boom. You know all these things. Abraham. You know there's a few chapters there, and he, he appears in different things. And all of a sudden, Joseph, eight chapters. You're like, what in the world? Yeah. And I think that's just a huge signal that we should be looking at him, not for the sake of how great and awesome Joseph is, but rather at how great and awesome Jesus is. Can you provide to me just a bit of interpretation? Perhaps. So, Joseph being 17 years old was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a lad with the sons. Of Bilhah, yeah, uh, and so, Zilpha, yes, his father's wives, right, and Joseph brought an ill report of them to their father. So, like, yes. how does that set the framework and tone, and what does that mean for the remainder of Joseph's story? Okay, so, <coughs> like, like I said, um, uh, Joseph was one of those sons. Of, uh, of legitimacy, more legitimacy in the sense of uh, Leah and Rachel, right? Rachel was the one that Joseph loved, or uh, sorry, Jacob loved, worked seven years to get, and Laban being just as tricky and deceitful as Jacob was, mm. um, gave him Leah instead of Rachel. And when I first read the story, I remember as a kid going, oh man, so he works seven years, doesn't get Rachel, has to work another seven years and finally gets her. But then I realized, you know, after the, the, the wedding ceremony and the, the consummation and everything with Leah was done, um, I think it was a week or maybe it was a month or something like that. Then he got to have uh, Rachel as his wife. And then he, he worked another seven years for Laban. Um, so Joseph being maybe 
in in some people's eyes more legitimate than the sons of the uh, of Bilhah and Zilpah. Um, that's a possibility. Um, as it is, Joseph was a uh, a child of uh, or so. Or, so as a lad, or that word lad, uh, yeah. some translated as uh, a boy with the sons, or a helper, yeah. or some would even go to say, so far as to say a supervisor. So whether it's because he's of Rachel that that automatically elevates him higher than those servant sons, yeah. or it could have been because he gave her bad report, how do you know if someone is not doing their job to their full capacity? You have to know what is required of the job. Now, I had a friend growing up, and he grew up on a, a hobby farm with his, uh, you know, with his family, and he had chores that he had to do. And uh, when I would stay with him for a couple weeks during the summer, I would help him with his chores. And there were times where you know we would be like hey, we really want to go play, so let's do this tour as quickly as we possibly can. Maybe not to the fullest extent as the tour was required. Mm. And then we quickly discovered if we tried to cut corners, we would just have to end up coming back and doing it all over <laughs> again. So then you kind of learn, right? Yeah. But these guys might have been the kind of kids who always, like Tom Sawyer perhaps, cut corners and tried to figure out how they could get the least amount of work done without getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And so I think Joseph, as we see later on in his life, was a man of integrity, and he put himself fully and completely into everything he did. And the Lord blessed him um, for the reason of, of elevating him as later on in life so that he could do the, the task that was given to him in, in saving his people. But... Um, I think he would have done it anyway. Like, he was the kind of guy who would just go and work and work and work and work until the job was done. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of people who are like that. He, did, he, he worked for seven years to accomplish a single mission. Yeah. Which was to store grain. Right. right. Exactly. So you see he's got foresight. You see he's, yes. got, you see he's got the work ethic, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, not, yeah. A short, not a short-term no. short looking kind of guy. No, and, and it's interesting. You mentioned the seven years, and that just made me think of... Jacob yep. in the seven years. Yes. Like that's that's fascinating, right? Yeah. So maybe there's a little bit of a character of Jacob in Joseph. Yeah. And that would also like when when sometimes as parents, when we see certain traits of ourselves and our kids, that can make us a little bit more affectionate or easier to get along with those kids than maybe the kids that, that are a little bit different from us. Uh, that's not always the case. Um and, and I'm just going to say this right now to all my children, if they ever listen to this, I love you all equally, exactly the same. I love you, no matter what you guys do. Nothing you could ever do would ever change my love for you. Um, just don't get arrested. No, I'm just kidding. But no, even if they did get arrested, I would still love them because they're my children. And um, But sometimes there's little aspects that... that, that we can appreciate in our children that maybe can move us towards spoiling them more than another. And we have to be really careful as parents not to do that. Yeah. Because it, it could create, as you said, woundedness. And that just leads to disaster. So that's another thing where we've learned over the years too is 
Uh, when you mess up with your kids and you do something stupid with them, it's always good just to go and apologize because they have to know that as parents we have almost all the answers. Yeah, yeah, and we and we've lived through a little bit of a longer journey. Yes, but yeah, I would love to echo that. Like, like for my for my two children, Amy and Cole, I just love them to death, and it's and it's uh, it's. I hope that it's equal in my heart. It totally is. Yeah. And they're just such a blessing. And so, yeah. you know, I think like addressing the family's woundedness immediately to try to resolve the, whatever kind of outstanding issues are there yeah. so they don't get carried on. They don't get, they don't become a gate or yeah. a doorway for dysfunction, for the darkness that kind of creeps into the life. Right. Yeah. And that's where love is, is different than, any commodity um, it actually grows and multiplies with more people it doesn't diminish with more people it's not as though when you are loving one child and you have another one as you probably might have mentioned to Josh when he has now a second son right yeah. it's not as though all of a sudden he has to take some of his love that he'd been given to Rory and now give it to Anthony but rather that the same love that he has for Rory is just massively multiplied in his love for Anthony, right? Yeah, and like the children are such a blessing and so it does feel like it the the being blessed from the Lord by having a rich family creates such a, a richness that it grows the love and then you can spread it. Yes, our attention right. sometimes well, yeah. is divided. Yeah, that's but true. But the love is not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's very true. And so <laughs> Um, and that, that probably would fit into what was happening in Joseph's story, that the love or the attention was divided or, you know, excessively given to yeah. Joseph to stir up jealousy, woundedness, envy, all of those things toward, uh, from the, the brothers toward uh, Joseph. And still, uh, in all, what they did to Joseph was wrong, just purity wrong, right? So um, if you have siblings... And you entertain the idea that, you know, you want to uh, do something wicked to them, curb the enthusiasm, pray, give it over to the Lord, and he will direct your, your steps. I think the, the thing that I was thinking about was um, when we uh, said by, by the Speaker of the House, Nathan Cooper, yeah. uh, was that as, as parents, we, we have the ability to love our children with all our heart and also have the desire to strangle them with our hands. Uh, <laughs> not that we want to act on the latter part, but we definitely want to act on the, the first part. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and I think that's out of love as well, right? Like it's about, it's about restraint and it's about character building. Yes, yeah. not, not that you can build a great character from trying to hurt them. <laughs> but to, or, or, you know, or smother them. Or, or doing any kind of uh, bodily harm to them. But like, I think just out of our own zeal as parents, we just want to have absolutely what's best for them. Yes. Uh, what's best for their potential. Hey, I think like, and always speaking into that potential, yeah. I think is, it creates that richness. Um, but if you if if you're listening to this and you have multiple children, then try and equalize that kind of uh, prophecy and gift giving amongst your kids. What speaking into their lives yep. with them all in the same room together, so that they can hear that it is shared. Yes. That it isn't 
I did this in secret and this one heard you and now we have a problem, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even as we grow up, we still deal with uh, some of those things from our past as well. And we can still see things uh, in our children or our children see them in us as parents. So, yeah, that's a good reminder. I appreciate that, uh, Sean. But we're getting close to the end here. I think we should wrap it up. Uh, thank you for joining me this week. And, thank you. And we'll see what ends up happening next week. Uh, maybe you'll be back again. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to see if uh, some others can, can join me as well. So thanks for tuning in. We ask that uh, the Lord will bless you and keep you in whatever you are doing and that he would show his favor upon you as a loving father who has an unlimited amount of love, care, and attention to give to us, his mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.